Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Phil Bischoff, youth minister and director of outreach at Crosswalk, is bringing you a teaching. So head over to crosswalkphoenix.com, click on the Listen tab, and there you can find today's notes. And now, here's Phil Bischoff. And now I'm going to ask you to get out your notes and your pens, and let's get into today's message. And it's going to start out with a question for our confirmands here. And the question is this, is that in the past two years, have I freaked you out at all? Yes. Yeah, oh, good, okay. Uh, of course I did, right? In that, and now, now some of you, some of our confirmands took confirmation at our partner uh, church, Emmanuel, at, at the school there, Emmanuel Lutheran, got a great partnership with them. So they, they didn't have to suffer through two years with me. But I still freaked them out in some ways. All of you, you had to deal with me for two years. Thank, thankfully, you had Christian for, you know, some of that time. But then also we had that test. How many questions? 72. I'm a jerk. 72 questions for the test, right? And then all of you had to write that paper. You know that paper, right? A paper where I asked you, describe your faith in Jesus in the past, present, and in the future. I think if I asked everyone in this room to write that, they would be a little freaked out of, man, that's a pretty deep question, right? And then, oh yeah, I made you stand up and present it in front of 80 people, too. So maybe I did freak you out a little bit, but what about today? How are you feeling today? Feeling all right? Some of you excited? You were telling me that, but you know what? You still might be a little freaked out. Maybe even when you got up here, your heart was beating fast a little bit, but, but the thing is, is I want you to think even beyond today. Think about even next year. Things are going to change. Confirmation's coming to a close. You're going to come to high school. New things are going to hit you. You might be a little freaked out about that. Or think about your personal life. Is there anything going on in your life that's freaking you out? What about you guys in the congregation here? Anything in your life that's going on that's freaking out? What about even looking at our world? Another school shooting. And, and the teens were right about your age, right? And so I think today's a good time as a church to look and see when our world blows up, when we might be a little freaked out about the future, what does Jesus say to do? And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at John chapter 14 because there's some similarities there. Jesus is with his disciples in John chapter 14, and there's 12 of them. There's 12 of you guys. A ah, little coincidence, all right? But what's also a coincidence is that they were a little freaked out. Remember, this was when uh, Jesus, on the night before he was going to get crucified, and he had just told the disciples that their world was going to change. He just told them, after being with them together for three years, they're all buddies, they're all together, and he says, one of you is going to betray me. And then he says, Peter, you're going to deny me. And then he says, I'm going to leave you, and for a little while, I won't return, but then I'll come back, but when I leave you, you can't come with me. Boom, their world just got blown up. What? Betray you? Deny you? You're going to leave us? What's going on? Jesus knew their hearts were troubled, and so here's where John 14 comes in. So let's look at our verses here. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. 
If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to, to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I'll take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going. You see, when we have problems, when we're freaked out, you know what we like to do? We like to focus all our energy on fixing the problem, right? If I'm freaked out, I wanna, I wanna find a solution to not feel freaked out anymore. Jesus doesn't do that here because the problems still happen. Judas still betrays him, Peter still denies him, and Jesus still has to leave, right? Jesus doesn't focus on their immediate problem because here's the truth is that God doesn't always solve our problems here in this life the way we want him to. He just doesn't. So what does Jesus do to comfort them? He points them to the end because the, the truth is, is that God does not force anyone into following him. He's not forcing you to make this commitment to him today. He doesn't force any of us to not sin. And so Jesus points them to the very end. You see where he talks about in my father's house are many rooms. See, Jesus is talking about heaven and he tries to get our eyes above right here and now to the very end, to begin with the end in mind. And the reason that, that he does that and the reason he was leaving them is because even though he might not fix our problems right here and now the way that we think he should, the reason he was leaving them was to die on the cross, to rise again and to ascend into heaven so that he could solve the biggest problem of all, which is our sin and our separation from God. So he solves that. So then now you and I can look forward and say that the ending is good. So why don't you fill this in the blank? Jesus wants to calm our hearts by beginning with the end in mind. He wants heaven for us. You see, beginning with the end in mind, looking towards the future, it, it calms our hearts because it gives us hope. Now think about this. Here's an example. Why did you guys go through the test, two years of confirmation, go through, write the paper, present it, and don't tell me just because mom and dad made you. Maybe that's part of it, okay? The truth is because you had hope for today. Your hope was for today that you saw you were gonna have this great time where you could make your commitment to God, be confirmed, right? Welcomed into membership at Crosswalk. And so that allowed you to get through the next steps. When we know that the ending's good, we have hope for tomorrow, we're, we're able to face tomorrow. We are, that's how it works. By Jesus telling us that he's prepared a place in heaven for us, he's told us two things, okay? Number one, he's telling you your ultimate ending is great. You have heaven to look forward to. But number two is also important. And he says this to all of us. When Jesus said that he's going to prepare a place for us, now listen to me here. God is saying he likes you and he loves you. That's important because I hear all the time people say, you know what, God must not like me or love me because of the situation I'm going through. If he really liked me or loved me, he would not let me go through this pain. He would not let my world get blown up. And what's nice to point them to is this, is that let's really look at it here. Because when we say that, what we're saying is, God, you're not solving 
the problem the way I want you to. And there's pain and there's hurt. But here's what Jesus is saying. God designed a plan through Jesus, through faith in him, that you could live with him forever in perfect happiness. Okay? I don't even like to live with people that, that, I, that I like for five days. I get sick of them, right? I got friends that come and visit for five days. I'm tired of them. God wants to be with you forever. That must mean he likes you and he loves you like no one else does. Don't ever question his, his love for you. As Jesus is saying, I've gone to repair a place for you. Let's go on. John 14, five to seven. So this is still in John 14. Here, here's where some doubts come up, right? Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So Thomas is confused. Uh, Jesus, we don't even know where you're going. So talking about a way, you know, he's, he's, remember his world's blown up, he's confused. So Jesus doesn't try to explain it again. He gets really simple. He says, okay, here's the deal. Jesus says, it's all about me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so now you can put in your second fill-in and we'll explain this fill-in a little bit, but here's the second fill-in. Jesus is exclusive because he's so inclusive. He wants us all to end up with God. He is the only way to salvation. People will absolutely challenge you on this. How can you say, how can you be so narrow-minded to say that Jesus is the only way? I mean, you haven't, uh, you haven't gone and experienced all the different religions of the world. You haven't gone and see what's going on. How, how can you say that? Naturally, we, we like options, don't we? Okay. How many of you guys have been to Fry's down the street, grocery store probably? Imagine this, okay? We like options so much. Imagine if we all went down to Fry's or next time you go in and you go down the cereal aisle and there's one option for cereal. There's gonna be riots. There will be riots in the store. I want my Cocoa Puffs. I want, I want my Fruit Loops, right? We like options. We like various ways of solving our breakfast hunger, okay? But, but think about this. When situations get dangerous, when situations get a little bit, uh, have an emergency, we don't care so much about options. We care that the way to get me out of this emergency works, and we're fine to say if it's the only way in an emergency. And one example of this is an evacuation plan. You ever seen an evacuation plan before? Okay. They're posted up on, on, a, on, a, on a building or, or on a room, and, and it's, it's one plan. It's exclusive in order to be inclusive, to get everyone out safely, okay? There, there's an evacuation plan for this auditorium, right? And I have an assistant standing by. He's going to pull the fire alarm, and we're, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Don't. Seeing if you're awake here. But there's an evacuation plan. Now, now what you might say is um, you might say, Phil, there's multiple doors here, okay? 
there's, there's multiple ways out. If you're gonna use this as an analogy to prove that Jesus is the only way, your analogy sucks a little bit, okay? But here's the deal. There's multiple doors. If you go back here, there's doors too, but, but, but there's a door back here that leads to a storage room. Okay, if there's a fire, I recommend you don't go in there. Okay, recommend that. There's another door over here, a hallway. It leads to a bathroom. Even if you really have to go, if there's an emergency, I'd recommend you hold it. And don't go in there. If there's a fire, right, you'll be trapped. There's even a door there that doesn't have a handle on the inside, another storage room. And some guy I know last week got, got stuck in there for like 10 minutes. He's a really good looking guy, but he got stuck in there and somebody had to come get him out, right? Don't go in those doors. And then, and then here's the deal. There's, there's a couple exits here, right, that lead to the outside. So it seems like there's multiple ways. But if one of those exits is locked and if there's a huge barrier on the other side, like a boulder, that's not gonna work, is it? It, it would be horrible if in a fire, if we were trying to get out and those exits were locked. You see, there is another way outside of Christ. There is another way outside of Jesus to God. And all other ways of thinking outside of Christ, all other religions, um, all other philosophies, if you remove Christ, they focus eventually on this one way. And that one way is you. You be good enough, you be smart enough, you figure out a way, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And if you can get through that, that exit on your own, that, that's what they're gonna point you to. And, and the Bible, guys, the Bible even tells us that that is naturally on our hearts. There's two Proverbs that say the exact same thing. There is a way that it seems right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death. Us being our own savior, us depending on ourselves, that seems like a bright exit. That's how I'm gonna achieve God. That's how I'm gonna get through life. That's how I'm gonna survive. And the problem is, is that that way is locked. And that way has a giant boulder on it. Because you know what God says is, God says that do this, be perfect, and you will live. And God also says, the soul that sins will die. And it's talking about eternal death. We're not perfect, we do sin, so, so we can't get through that door. Guys, the comfort is what Jesus is saying here is Jesus is your evacuation plan. He is the way to the Father. He op he's the exit, he opened the door, he had the key, he removed the barrier, and that's what he did by his life and his death and his resurrection is he took care of it. And it might be the only way, but, but it is the way to life with God. And God wants you to know that. All right, let's continue with the next verses here. And we're still in John chapter 14. So now it says, Philip said, so now Philip gets into the picture. Lord, show us the father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. So Thomas earlier was confused and now Philip thinks he's got it all figured out. He's in the opposite. He's just show us the father, Jesus, then it'd all be cleared up. And Jesus kind of goes like this and says, Philip, I've been with you for three years. Didn't you see me heal the blind man? Didn't you see me raise Lazarus from the dead? Don't you realize that, that I am God, that I and the father are one? And Jesus kind of humbled Philip a little bit here, doesn't he? Jesus says, believe me, or at least believe in the works that I've done. And, and we know from Philip's life that, that he took Jesus up on his offer, that even though he really didn't have it all figured out, Philip didn't. He didn't have God figured out. He didn't have life figured out. He was still willing to trust Jesus as the way. And so here is our next fill-in. Are we humble enough to admit that we don't have God figured out and still cling to Jesus as the truth? I remember driving back from high school graduation, which will be in like four years for you guys, and I remember thinking, I have life figured out. I have God figured out. I don't know why people think life's so hard. If you just work hard, God will bless you. That's what I thought. I worked really hard in high school. High school went well for me. And I was able to achieve some things that our culture goes ooh and ah to. I was able to achieve some titles that our culture values really highly. I was able to become valedictorian, student body president, one of the captains of the football team. Hey, you impressed yet, huh? Good, don't be impressed. I worked so hard at getting those things right? And so I thought, man, you work hard, God's going to bless you. I was going to college to become a pastor. Uh, my girlfriend was, was going to the same college as me. I thought, man, everything is going to be sweet. And then college happened and God began to teach me something. If you're not humble, life has a way of humbling you. Isn't that true? If you're not humble, life has a way of humbling you. And so what happened is, here's me, you know, valedictorian, student body president, captain of the football team, lost my 4.0, my girlfriend broke up with me, got cut from all the sports teams I tried out for, didn't make it as on the student government, and I'm 1,700 miles away from home. My life had blown up. Everything that I, that I thought I knew about God, and everything I thought I knew about life, it just wasn't working. And, and I was angry at God. I remember saying, God, what happened? I thought we had a deal here. And my relationship with God was, was really transactional. God, I'm going to learn info about you, and I'm, I'm going to you know, try and be good, and then you just bless me. And, and now that you know you left me, God, it feels like you left me. Why did you leave me? And, and the thing is, is that God teaches us, right? And... and and here's what he started to teach me there is that when you're in life and you, and you feel yourself asking that question, God, where are you? God, why is this happening? Ask a different question. And the question is, God, what are you teaching me through this? And the reason you can ask that question is because you know the ending. God, you have heaven for me. You want me to be there. You are the way, the truth, and the life. I'm gonna be with you forever. So, and I know anything that happens, you want me to be closer to you, even bad things. So God, 
I'm not gonna ask why have you left me, what are you teaching me? And, and God, God had my friend Ben come and teach me. My friend Ben was at college with me. And so he said, hey, Phil, um, I know you're going through this tough time. What, what has God been telling you in his word as, as you've been reading his word daily? And I'm like, I, I haven't been reading God's word. I mean, I'm, I'm studying to be a pastor. I go to chapel twice a day. I went to Christian grade school. I went to Christian high school. I know all the information about God. You see, I, I thought that my relationship with God was all about just information, right? All about just, just I just gotta, just gotta know the facts. But the problem is, is that our faith isn't, isn't just about the facts, is it? God was teaching me <laughs> to learn and depend on him. So I took up Ben on his offer and I started to read the Bible on a, on a personal basis. And the words jumped out to me. And you know why? Because I saw that every single person in the Bible had their life blown up. Abraham, Moses, David, Paul, Peter, Ruth, Esther, Old Testament, New Testament, lives blown up. They thought their life was going one way and then something happened, every single one. And, and the common thread was God constantly pointing them that even though life changes, he will never change. And he was teaching them to depend on him. And so God, God was teaching me that even though life was changing, he hadn't changed, but that God was certainly changing me. He was changing me to, to, to lean on him and depend on him. And my faith started to become transformational, which means it goes from your head now into your heart. Instead of just information, it goes down into a heart, that, a truth that you believe. See, the thing is, is that lots of people, high school students, Jonathan mentioned it, high school students, college students, adults, there's a temptation that if you grow up in the church or if you grow up learning about God, that you get to a point where you say, you know, I'm, I'm gonna leave the church because I've learned it all. I, I, I got down all the facts, I got down all the information. And, and I get that, that would work if faith was just about information in the head. But the problem is, is that life happens. Sin happens. And, and when your life blows up, your information isn't really gonna help. Facts aren't really, what you're gonna be looking for is hope and comfort and forgiveness and grace. And all that comes through a trust relationship with Jesus. Because here's the deal. I had you guys write that paper. And I know, and through conversations with you, some of your lives have blown up already. And I've seen that, I saw that in your papers. You were really vulnerable, it was awesome. And in conversations with you, you guys talked about family problems. You talked about divorce. You talked about moving across the country. You talked about anxiety. You talked about how things in middle school are different than they were in grade school. And see, the reason why I have you write that paper, guys, about your relationship with God in the past, in the present, and where you want it to be in the future is to start to get you to realize that life won't always turn out how you think it will, that, that things will change, that, that life circumstances will just come out and hit you out of the blue, and you're seeing that already. And to teach you, though, 
that Jesus is your steady rock, that heaven will never change, that who you are will never change. And, and, and you've reflected that in, in your papers as well, which was awesome. All right. So let's keep going here because God moves our faith from our head to our heart, but he doesn't stop there. Let's see our next verses. So Jesus is still talking. Here's what he says. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So Jesus says some humbling words to Philip at first, you know, don't you know me? And now look at what he says. Some really bold things to Philip. If you believe in me, you will do the same works that I am doing and even greater things. Jesus did some pretty great things. And he's saying, if you believe in me, you will do greater things. He's pointing them to that uh, uh, faith in him through the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't just move from our head to our heart, but now it moves from our heart to our hands and our feet. And it changes how we view life and what we do with our life. And even more, let's look at our next verse. It even goes further. Colossians 3, 3 to 4 says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So what he's saying is not only is your purpose changing, but the very definition of what your life is about changes. One thing I, I want you to do in the previous verse, John 14, I want you to underline the phrase greater things. Would you do that for me? That's an important one. Okay. And as you underline that, I'm gonna give you your next, your next point here. Are we bold enough to completely trust Jesus for our purpose and power? So are we humble enough in the first point, but are we bold enough to completely trust him for our purpose and power? He is our life. Let's talk about that greater things for a moment. You will do greater things. There was a time, guys, when, man, those titles like valedictorian, student body president, those meant more to me than anything. And, and I would do anything to achieve another award and, and, and achieve something else like that. And I thought they were my life's purpose. I thought that was the greater thing, right? Work hard and just keep achieving and, and, and it's great stuff. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with those things, but, but I was doing them for my purpose and, and my value because once I'd get something like that, man, a week later, I still felt empty. And here's a truth that everyone, if they're really gonna admit it, will admit it, that we try and find fulfillment in this life outside of Christ. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we, we don't find it. We talked about doors. Man, you're gonna be tempted to open the door of success and titles and prestige, kind of like I was, right? And that's where I'm gonna find fulfillment. It's a dead end to find true fulfillment. You, you might open the door of money. You know what? That's where I'm the greater things, man. I'm just going to make a lot of money and, and I'll give some to other people, but it will be, that's the greater thing. And you'll find out that's a dead end because it still leaves you feeling empty. Or you might go down the door of relationships. If I just have that girlfriend, if I just have that spouse, those kids, Right? Sometimes we even do this with, with sex as we think that's the ultimate thing in life. And we open up that door 
And we realize that we still feel empty after that and door after door. And see, when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, he's talking about heaven for sure. But also he's talking about right now that there is a Jesus-shaped hole in your heart. And we try and fit other things in there, but only he fits if we want true, lasting fulfillment and satisfaction. I'm gonna give you a quick example of what those greater things in, two examples. So my arm's been hurting me, okay? I, uh, I've been doing, I got, or in CrossFit, I hurt myself, okay? I love CrossFit, but I was stupid. And uh, hurt myself, went to physical therapy, and I, I told him I, I was gonna talk about him. So, so Matt Freiberger is a, a member here, and uh, he's a physical therapist. So I went there, and I'm like, fix my arm, okay? It's hurting. And, uh, and so he had other people come and, and his assistants and whatnot. And one thing I noticed is that um, everyone that, that came to me that was helping me there, all his assistants, unsolicited, they, they kept talking about how great of a guy Matt was and how he, he treated them nicely and, and, you know, he was a good boss and they, and they really appreciate him. And, and I'm like, man, is Matt like handing out bribes or something? Everyone's coming up to me and, and saying that. And... Um, and what was really cool is Matt had such a good relationship with one of the people that, you know, and one of the guys that was helping me, Matt comes up and put, puts his arm around both of us. And he says, you know, because he told him that I worked at Crosswalk, right? And so he said, Phil, you know, this guy here, he still claims to be an atheist, you know, kind of joking like that because they had a good relationship and the guy laughs. And what was great is that caused that guy to ask, start asking me questions you know, what do you do at the church and whatnot? And, and this guy was one, one of those guys who thought God doesn't love him because of the circumstances in his life. Remember, we talked about that. How could God love me? How could God be real if, if this is what's going through? Now, this was just the beginning of a first conversation. That's how it works. But here's what was so cool. The guy says this to me. He says, you know what? I, I, I still don't really believe in a God, but here's what I've noticed. Most of the people in my life that really show true care to me and that are really positive are Christians. They're inviting me to church. They're asking how I'm doing. They're, they're concerned about my life. And he's like, that, that stands out to me. That's one reason why I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna give up hope. You see, what Matt's doing there is he's serving God in physical therapy but, but, you know, he's showing that greater things is not about achieving more and more look at me. Greater things is really about serving other people and lifting up Christ. And see, the thing is, is that hidden in Christ means this guy could see Christ in Matt and he could see Christ in other, other Christians that come along. And that causes him to say, something's different about these people. And it points them to Christ. That is the greater thing. One last story. I was at a memorial service last night, a celebration of life for a sweet lady, Susan Grove, who came here to Crosswalk. And man, tons of people at her, at her memorial service. And I sat down and we're gonna call this lady V. And V was awesome. And she just tells me her whole story, right? And this story involves Susan uh, helping her. So V was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And through this story, she's talking to me about how about Susan, you know, would pick her up and would bring her stuff to her house and help her and, and would call her and pray for her and, and do little things like that. And then she talked about this other friend who was a Christian that, that stopped her from, from slamming a stop sign against someone's head. And I mean, there was, there was a crazy story. And the whole time, you know what she kept saying? Praise God. 
Praise Jesus for this. Praise God. Praise Jesus for this. The greater thing is that she wasn't praising these, these Christian friends. She, she was thankful for them. But again, she was praising God. She, she knew that Jesus is her way, the truth and the life. And the greater thing was not, Susan didn't live her life to build up. So, hey, look at me. But she served and loved other people and that lifted Christ up. And the cool thing, guys, is you can do that in whatever job, school you go to. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Let's finish up here. Last verses. You have to memorize a lot of stuff in confirmation. Here's a verse and then the fill-in that I really want you to memorize. Here's the verse. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And let's look at the last verse right away. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. We're coming to the end of our message and we're gonna begin where we started, okay? And the way I wanna end is I wanna do the fill-in and then I wanna say it all together as a church. If there's one thing that you could say every day when you wake up, I hope you say this last fill-in, okay? Here's the last fill-in, we're gonna say it together. I am a dearly loved child of God, right? Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm a dearly loved child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus. Jesus lives. He will not leave me. He gives me peace. I am not afraid. We're gonna say this together. Are you ready? All as a church, here we go. I am a dearly loved child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus. Jesus lives, he will not leave me. He gives me peace, I am not afraid. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for these 12 young men and women who made a commitment to you based on your commitment to them. And I wanna thank you for this entire church who's here supporting them. Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are our evacuation plan. You've prepared heaven for us. You can make us bold, Lord. We humbly ask that we just cling to you in faith. When life blows up, Lord, we know that you haven't changed. You're our steady rock. And Lord, also, I ask especially for these young people that you point them to the greater things of serving and loving other people and lifting up Christ in whatever they, everything that they do. Be with our whole church, Lord. Build us up in your faith. Let us support these young people. And we pray all these things in the name of the way, the truth, and the life, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So before we close, if you would like to hear more, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held on the campus of Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Phil Bischoff. Each day you wake up, begin with the end in mind. Jesus has a place for you in heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Cling to him and know that he is with you every step of the way. I am a dearly loved child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus. Say that every day.
Go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everyone.